This is Inside Malden, Ideas and Stories that Inspire. You're listening to part two of a panel discussion about arts, culture, and community held May 11, 2017 in Malden Senior Community Center. In this part, panelists Farah Mahoubi, Peter Ng, Andy Jacobson, Alvin Coulon, and Jean Apollon share about successful arts initiatives and provide insights to arts funding, community, and the role of artist as entrepreneur. Building Jean Apollon Expression was a dream that I had pretty much since I was a baby. Not really just creating my own dance company, but I felt like I would like to really create a space for people to perform, for people to express themselves the way they kind of feel like. And coming here in America, I, when I first came to Boston, I didn't hear no drums at all. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to be doing? But I was in Cambridge, right across of the dance complex, and I woke up and I heard African drums, and I'm like, oh my God, maybe there's some kind of help. So <laughs> my mother said to me on Monday, and if you go into the building to dance, I'm going to send you back to Haiti because I do not want you to dance. I want you to become a doctor or a lawyer. And I was like, oh. on Wednesday I went in, and I was like, okay, that's the place that I'm going to be in. So I ended up dancing there, and my mother ended up two years after coming and watching me dance in that center at the dance complex but to me I felt like it was a necessity because as a Haitian person I I felt like the community the Haitian community didn't have too much when it comes to culture in the community so I felt like it was a duty of mine and other Haitians to feel like there is a need for that because a lot of people who come to my class now my class carries around 75 to 125 people every Saturday and majority of the people who come to the class they're not even Haitian there are people from all around the world, from Japan, from United States, from Europe, like who lives around in the community who come in and take the class. And they all were like, wow, I wish you know, I knew more about this long time ago. And I've been teaching this class for the past 18 years. And now the support that we have to go to Haiti is pretty much from the class you know, members who come and just say, Jean, I would like to support you to go to Haiti and I would like to do this for you. And that's the reason why also do we end up creating the dance company. So I feel like, as Andy was saying, it's not only trying to create something personal, it's just really doing something for the city so, and the community so we can really feel strong, stronger. Mm-hmm. So there's a deep sense of purpose that has been driving your work. Definitely. And um, in the initial stages, was there some funding that you received, or did you pull it out of your own pocket or Pretty much. <laughs> volunteer your time? <laughs> there was a friend of mine who was a mentor also to her. Her name is Naila Bellinger, uh, African-American woman who went with me in Haiti 2001. And she said to me, Jean, they need you back in your country. And I'm like, I'm not going back there because my father was killed there. I'm not going back. And she's like, no, no, no. You should definitely think about how you can go and contribute because I think those kids look up to you and you have a very good story and you should definitely share your story with them. So I decided to start going there and each of us, me and her, we each pull out $2,500 from our own pockets for like four years, going there every year trying to do that. And I have to pay my own bills here. So it was very hard. And we start talking to people in the community and they felt like, wow, this was a great cause. And there was another woman who came on board named Stephanie Sherp, who's a great friend of mine. And she was like, Jean, what you're doing is great. Let's try to raise some fund. And 
we raised $35,000 on the fifth year. And now we've been there since 2006, and last year we raised $95,000. But we still, like, we're still in the process because what we would like to create is a center, performing arts center where kids can really come, not only to dance, but to really be the next leader. Because we feel like, of course, politics has been troubling in Haiti, and the next thing is just really to give a voice to the youth so they can really express and take leadership. Because I feel like they are depending on so much. And depending on people, waiting on people, it's, it's a burden. And we feel like, you know, give them space to be creative would be the best thing. So we're hoping to really raise major, major funding so we can really build the center. Because the money that we raise is just to feed, because we feed those kids every day. As you see them dancing in the video, they take eight hours of class every day for free. We give them free food, and after that, we have a big closing party where we invite their friends, the community in general, and also other institutions who helped us. So it's pretty much like raising funding it's for the arts. It's, it's, it's hard, but it is, it is a must-do. I'd like to interject for just a moment. Uh, Farah, if you could offer um, a brief definition or your understanding of what entrepreneurship, and you'll see how this will weave its way in the rest of the conversation, but uh, um, if you were to describe entrepreneurship, what would that be? I think an entrepreneur is a person who is creative, fundamentally, and already thinks outside the box, didn't ever color inside the lines when they were young, um, probably always asked questions of why, why doesn't this happen this way. Um, I think they're fundamentally problem solvers. They look for ingenious ways to, to solve problems. Um, they might be, I think they're called iconoclasts, you know, the people that just don't really, a little bit rebellious, you know, there's kind of that, adventurous spirit and that's what motivates them to keep going when other naysayers say well you know that's never gonna fly you know I mean we have so many businesses that started out that way you know just you know where their professor in college said oh that will never fly and here they are you know and they're huge so they had to have the tenacity to keep going with their idea with their vision and I think that's what you know makes an entrepreneur. So the why is very important for an entrepreneur, the why they're doing it. And the problem that they think that they're going to solve, mm -hmm. because they see it so clearly, mm -hmm. even though nobody else sees it. But mm -hmm. so they have to have the tenacity to keep going, especially when it's something so, I mean, they're often disruptors of an industry. So it, it's so obvious to them why they need to do this, and yet mm -hmm. everyone else is saying, are you crazy? This can't fly, but that's the whole point of disruption. It will solve it in a different way, and usually a very elegant way. So with that, I'd like to ask Akoma to um, share about your building of the um, Paris Street Gallery, um, because I think it's a very real example of um, meeting a space need that if you do any survey of artists, performer or otherwise, that is the big need space. Yeah. I think I really uh, relate to what she was saying there. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when she said, um, I don't really take no for an answer, you know. There's really no door that you can't open. That's, that's how I see everything. There's always an opportunity 
And um, if you truly believe it in your heart, you're gonna do whatever you can to reach those goals. So with that said, with, with Parish Street, the first time I saw the building, um, I was actually doing a, uh, <clears throat> a 40 foot trailer for the Boston Police Academy. They have um, this program called the Boston Police Runners Club. And it's kind of like a mini marathon that they do every year. So they hired me as the artist to paint the mural on it, but I didn't have a space to put the trailer into. I just had a small, uh, a thousand square foot studio. I say small, but it was small in comparison to this trailer. So I went around, um, I went around this area, I went around Chelsea, and um, a lot of folks in Chelsea and in Everett kept pointing me to this man named Bill Gear. Bill Gear is my landlord now, but, um, but I, I'll, I'll tell you the story. So I, I, I went into his office. He was, um, this guy works every day of his life. He's, he probably doesn't need to work, but he, he keeps working. And uh, he's probably in his late 70s. Very inspiring man. So I go into his office, I introduce myself as an artist, and I say to him that I need a space to put this trailer into. Um, he said he did have a building for me, but it was too dusty. It wasn't uh, a good space to paint and to do artwork. But uh, but something dawned to him, and, and he said to me, he was like, this is, this is really cool that you're coming in here right now, because I was just speaking to my colleague about a building that I have that I would like to maybe put art studios into it. Uh, he had no idea of how to start the art studio, um, so he asked me if I could take a look at the space. So I went to the building, and immediately I was intimidated. I saw a lot of work. <clears throat> Excuse me. I saw a lot of work to do. It was the second floor. There was no walls up, no electricity, no heat. It was just a bare building, bare brick building. And uh, I was just, I was a little nervous because I was like, I don't know what, he, what he's asking for me. Does, it, does he want me to invest? I don't really have the funds to invest. Um, just to keep up with my studio at the time in Charlestown, I, I, I had to hold a job as a landscaper and uh, just work every day just to, just to support the arts. So anyway, I, I told him very politely, I said, thank you very much for showing me the space, but I'm gonna have to take your card and I'll call you back. So um, three months goes by and I said to myself, I was in my space and I was throwing events now there in Charlestown. And uh, I, I realized that there wasn't a lot of space to do more. I, want, I wanted to put more people into it. It was, a, it was a big building, but I was the only artist in it. There was other businesses near me, but no one was creative. And uh, so, I, so we were kind of like tucked into this corner, my, me and my community. So I thought of Bill Gare and the opportunity he, he presented to me. So I called him and I said, hey, uh, what do you think about this? What do you, what do you think if I bring in artists and, and I can help you as a visionary build these studios and, and we can work it little by little? You know, I, I, I couldn't afford the place, but I said to him, if, if we can work it little by little, I could bring in the artists. And that's how I got into the door. So we opened the door and, uh, and he said, here it is, here's the keys. You start visioning the, the plans for this place and, and we, can, we can make this work if it makes sense. And uh, so it took about a year and a half between you know, inspections, getting the electricity in there, the heaters, 
so on and so forth. It was a lot of things, and I learned a lot from the process. And we finally opened up in uh, 2014, and we have seven artist studios, and we have one big gallery, and uh, we do some really cool stuff there. You know, this is, we have musicians that also share a space. There's two music studios. So every day I go in there, I go into my own cre creative studio, I open my door and I listen to the music that's going on next door. So it's like a really nice thing we got going on. And, uh, so that's how I accomplished it. That's a great story. Um, what were some of the challenges, uh, other than your own confidence, like not feeling like you had the money, um, were there other things that were a block to? Um, well, there was things like um, in the inspectors coming in, uh, the restrooms, you know, you don't have enough stalls and stuff like that. So we had to, there was a, we had a, wow. A lot of, a lot of times I feel like it's God helping, helping the cause because we're doing it from the heart. So there was a, we had a, uh, there's a contractor downstairs in the same building. He sees what we're going through with the inspections and stuff. He said, what do you need? What do you need to do? I said, we need to fix the restroom and put a bigger restroom. He's like, that, is that all it's going to take? So he invested his time. He called some of his contractors to come in and, and do the work. And then we paid him back slowly. And uh, so things like that happen. And, you know, I'm really appreciative of everyone that helped out. I'm starting to hear a theme about from what you're talking about. It, it, there's a theme of community that along the way you're building community by your demeanor, by your inviting other people into the process, and by being willing to ask for help and, and that kind of thing. Am I right? Is that? Yes, absolutely. This is Inside Malden, Ideas and Stories That Inspire. You're listening to part two, of a panel discussion about arts, culture, and community held May 11, 2017. Peter, I know you um, speak of yourself as an artist, an entrepreneur, and a philanthropist. Share a little bit about the entrepreneurial aspect of your work. Basically, I'm looking at the community, any community, and find out what their needs are. And then once you understand the need, how can you, you know, provide a solution for that? Oh. Uh, I mentioned about the, uh, the Port Art Center uh, this Saturday that we opened, grand opening. We basically, we partner with uh, Bunker Hill Community College, okay? Now, understand the art world. Uh, art is a creative, okay? That's a very important subject in every child's life, okay? Um, the problem is that uh, we have a lot of the ancient history artists, great artists in uh, China. Their artworks last 3,000 years, but they're all in the Museum of Fine Art. Okay? So how is some of the upcoming artists get a place to exhibit their artwork and be, you know, identified? Of course, not in the Museum of Fine Art, not right now, right? So that is why we created this art center allow everyone to participate. They can put their artwork there and show off their, you know, so people who know who they are. That, that's for one thing. And that's why we partner with uh, Bunker Hill um, Community College. They also have classroom there. So the place that we constructed is actually 55,000 square foot, have a theater in there, have staff and classroom and all that. 
So it's open for the public. You can actually go there and check it out yourself, okay? Now, the other thing, um, I just want to share a little bit um, about my background, okay? I came from Hong Kong, I mentioned that, in 1963. I came to this country um, with my family. We are very poor in Hong Kong. But this country had gave me the opportunity to make me who I am today, okay? I served this country in the United States Air Force. I was the first Asian air traffic control in the United States. I worked my way up to the executive level and now I retire. I want to give back to this country because, again, this country is a great country and gave me the opportunity. So what I'm doing is that I'm creating a 5013C nonprofit, and I'm going to use my money to fund this program. Uh, for the last four years, I've been giving money to other nonprofits to support their scholarship program, and it worked out really great. So now I'm going to do it um, centralized here to support a local uh, community and then expand that. Let me tell you how it works. Basically, I want to create a platform for everyone to participate and also for everyone to win. Now, how so? Well, I'm offering a program that um, from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade. And the qualification is that you must draw the planet Earth. That's your first piece of artwork. You send it to us, we give you a number. And every week we're gonna have drawing. Uh, I, again, the funding is coming from me, so I'm gonna dish out $2,000 every month. That means five recipients every week at $100, okay? Now, I can expand the program, but right now I wanna create the data so I can show Corporate America, is this program successful? So you need the data to expand that. What are the requirements for this program? And again, nothing is free. Um, but for this particular program, the, the student have to work for it. So what I'm asking is that they submit their artwork, they send it to us, and we will administrate a program by doing lottery drawing. And the requirement for this program is very simple. You stay in school, you get good grade, no smoking, no drinking, no bullying, no weapons. I'm sure that every kid can do that. I'm not asking them to go to the moon. And if this program is very successful, it means that the student would not drop out from school, which will help out the community. And if they don't drop out from school, which means they also don't create problems for the law enforcement, so we don't have to pay extra tax for that. And also, if they don't make trouble for the police, I guess they don't have to go to court, right? So additional, we don't have to pay tax for that. So which means that if this is successful, it is a great program. And so it's a guidance for started the, um, the kid just because they have the first uh, drawing, which is a planning earth. You know, what's interesting about what all of you are sharing is um, you're stepping into a need. And I want to pose a question um, to all of you. And do you think artists 
need to be an entrepreneur? Or are there different types of artists and perhaps society needs a few entrepreneurial artists to get things going? Um, so I just throw that out, anyone can answer. For, for me, I had to be an entrepreneur. Um, I always wanted to do art and, you know, at, at certain moments, you know, whatever I was painting at the time was not selling and, and I wanted to make a business out of it. So I would say about when I was 15, 16 years old, I said to myself, okay, how, how am I going to make art now and make money from it? How am I going to support myself? So I went around from, and, and I kept going to different stores, storefronts. And I, and I, I would go to the owner and say, who, who owns this place? Who runs this place? I think you need a new sign on your wall. You know, so, and I would, draw the, I would draw the sign and I would create a nice little logo for them and they would like it. Some people say, no, I can't afford that right now. And I'll say, look, I'll do it for supplies. Just pay for the supplies. And, and what I'll do on my end is I'll get the supplies cheaper and I'll make the difference, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I had to find my ways and, and those are some of the things that I did. Artists, you definitely, you definitely is this, uh, an entrepreneur at the same time without even being aware of it. But as Ms. Farah said, sometimes you might not have definitely the skills and the training to know how to sell your product. And that's the time you need help from Ms. Farah or other people like her who can really kind of guide you to really be able to sell your, your product. Because as, as a dancer myself, uh, school was very expensive. Thank God I could you know, obtain those scholarships from the schools, but the scholarships were pretty much two weeks, three weeks, and you are sweating. And there are 2,500 other kids waiting for that same scholarship. So to me, when I went to school, thank God I, this, I didn't pay for school because I had my scholarships. But the schools were like $25,000 a year up to $47,000 a year. So after finished school, I always said to myself, I do not want to sit down and just dance for free. Because I, I felt like, I, because my mother said, you're not going to make any money. And why should I just invest in you like this? Because you're not making any money in that dance world. So to me, I, I really wanted to prove my mother wrong. Because I said, no, no. You know, this is a craft that everybody's making money out of it. But of course, you find people who doesn't know how to sell themselves and end up staying home and depressed about it. So to me, I had to go audition for a lot of you know, Broadway shows, I auditioned for The Lion King, and finally they accept me, they give me a contract. I tour with Alaska Ballet Company, I tour with Joffrey Ballet Company. So we had to really kind of sell ourselves very strongly. So as the start, you become an entrepreneur, but even though you don't know about it. You know, I think when you come in to the out, from the outside to look at a business, and I've just recently done that with a business owner, and just, there's so many things that you can see that they can't see mm -hmm. because they are in the midst of this every single day. They're immersed in all the fires that they have to put out on a daily basis and you just come in from the outside and it's so obvious to you, <laughs> you know, because it, it just, it, it's just the nature of, you know, consultants do this all the time. They just come and they see problems and they fix them. <laughs> so I think when you're immersed in something, it's very hard to, to see other options. Just to add to that, um, you know, a, a, as a coffee shop owner, I went in it with at the idea of I need to make money. This is my living. This is my life. So 
I'm there, you know, I, the beginning for the first three, four years, I was there seven days a week. I was, you know, took a hour break to drive home, take out my dog, come back to the store. And this was going on for a while until um, I was able to at least fairly break even and then have some closers and all that. I think from the, an artist's perspective, you have to look at somewhat the same way as any business. Now, granted, some artists are looking at this as a hobby that, you know, maybe they're retired, maybe they love their real, their primary job, and this is just something they like to do, come home, do some art, sell a piece here and there, and that's great. But if you're looking at this as your life, if this is going to be your living and your bread and butter, then I feel too many artists don't think of themselves as businesses and entrepreneurs, and I think they need to start moving in that direction. Now, there are the resources to help. One over here to my right is an example, but um, they ha artists need to, if, if it is a business, then you need to look at how is it that you're going to make this, and you have to start looking at that model and thinking about how you're marketing yourself and your product and where you're going to put it and how, you know, what your costs are and how much you need to charge for that. Um, because otherwise, you're going to just continuously staying in this perpetual cycle of not really not making anything and sort of hating what you're doing. And so I'm a big believer that I think artists need to focus, if, if that's the direction they want to go, that they need to start thinking of themselves as businesses. This is Inside Malden, Ideas and Stories That Inspire. You're listening to part two of a panel discussion about arts, culture, and community. For more information about this panel discussion or to access part three, please visit InsideMalden.com.